Praise God. Amen. Uh, again, I don't spot offhand any first-time guests, but if you're a guest tonight, if you're uh, visiting with us, we're glad to have you in this service tonight. We thank you for being here. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching from, we welcome you as a part of this service. We're glad again tonight to have Brother and Sister Favors in service with us, missionaries to Luxembourg. They were at the uh, Maryland, D.C. camp last week. They're traveling in our district this week, and um, they did not have a specific service tonight, so they are here with us. They could have just had a night off, relaxed and rested, but they're in church, and we welcome them. Glad to have them as they were with us several months ago, and as we mentioned back then, Sister Favors was uh, as a child in Maryland. Her family pastored at one point in Maryland, so we've got a somewhat of a connection with us. Praise God. Amen. If you're not standing and you would stand, I... Um, Again, we're still, maybe all of you are transitioned and you're good and everything's, you've got all of this. I think we're all, I think most of us are still figuring it out and learning how things are working and fixing our terminology when we say the wrong things and call something what it's not anymore and all of that. So, um, this 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 night, uh, there, again, there's a couple of purposes for this night when we do it each month. It's uh, part of it is a chance for the uh, brother uh, Simpson, brother Joel Wright, and myself. It's a it's an opportunity to uh, to pastor some, if you will, because as you know, at least you should know, there are there. It's not that we are ashamed of anything we believe, of anything we stand for, but we acknowledge that people are at different levels in their walk with God. And so, especially Sunday mornings when we're trying to be evangelistic, um, Sunday night's a little bit different than that. So that's one of the purposes of what we're doing here. Uh, Another one is for us to be able to to communicate uh, on a congregational level, which I remind you now... That's not a Sunday morning group. Congregation is what we are at night. So it's a chance to communicate, cast vision, um, etc. in that setting. And so to be very honest with you, and I was thinking about it even today, uh, maybe just kind of planting the seed in your minds, um, there's a good chance as we get more down the road into this, um, it will probably look a little bit less like a, uh, regular church service um, this e- on this evening each month as we kind of do some other things and kind of get in the in the groove of all of this. So um, I guess if nothing else, by way of reminder, um, I just wanted to kind of say that. If um, please switch my iPad on. We have a sign. Some of you have seen it. This isn't the picture, but uh, we have a sign that hangs in the inside of the door uh, when you walk in the conference room area and uh, I don't I don't know why does every inspirational picture have an eagle isn't that it's like every inspirational picture saying it's got an eagle so the one we have in the office if you haven't seen it is uh, it's got an eagle um, but it says this excellence is the result of caring more than others think is wise It's risking more than others think is safe. It's dreaming more than others think is practical. And it's expecting more than others think is possible. I want to challenge us tonight uh, for a little bit along the lines of of excellence. I got a little bit more that I feel like we'll get into towards the end, but but I want to challenge us with that tonight. Second Chronicles, we'll read one verse and then pray and you can be seated. Second Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem. 
with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. Again, the beginning of that verse says, she heard of the fame of Solomon. So she came to prove him with hard questions at Jerusalem. Father, thank you for the privilege of being together tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom. God, there's nothing greater in this world we could ever be a part of than your kingdom. So many things in this world come and go. They're temporal, they're temporary, but your kingdom is eternal and such a great privilege you've given us to be a part of your kingdom. I pray, God, that you would continue tonight to speak to us, minister to us, work in us, work on us, work through us, Father, that we might individually and collectively be everything you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Verse number 2 says, And Solomon told her all her questions. And Solomon told her all her questions. Just one amen? Thank you. Appreciate that. And Solomon told her, told her, her questions. You get that? Not the answers. He told her her questions. She came with questions. Why? To prove him. But he told her her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. Now, let, let me just say, and especially, I guess, in, as... as uh, foundation or disclaimer to some of what I want to communicate here tonight. We cannot accomplish anything through the flesh. We cannot accomplish anything through the flesh. Whatever we might be able to do through the flesh is not going to last, and it has no eternal value and significance. The Scripture says you, you can't finish in the flesh what was started in the Spirit. We, we've got to have the Spirit. Paul said, I, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I came with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. We were had the privilege of spending a little time with the favors the other evening, and we, we got to talking about, we, we, I, I, do, we, do we as apostolics really believe that we are better positioned than anybody else to impact this world. I guess we don't. There's nobody else. Go, go, you probably, I haven't done it. I've just heard pe people say it and talk about it. But I guarantee you, you could probably do a pretty simple search on the internet and, and come up with numerous articles and statistics about decline in church attendance. Why? Because people are getting tired of going to church where nothing's happening and, and, and nothing's taking place, and so why go? What, what was the age, Brother Favors, you said? Basically, 50 and below in Luxembourg is pr predominantly Catholic, correct? 50 and below is stop go, basically stop going to church because there's nothing going on. We, we have stuff going on. I'm not talking about our programs and our... I'm talking about when we come together. When we come together for church. When we come together for prayer. When we come together for care groups. and We've got... There's something going on. Things happen. We are positioned. We, we've got what the world is looking for. In fact, it's also my understanding that Pentecostals are basically the one group that's not going down numbers-wise. It's growing because there's something happening. People know that, that, you know, God is doing something. It, it, I, I, if, if the day ever comes, it doesn't happen every service. It doesn't happen every time I preach. And probably won't happen tonight, more than likely, based on kind of the content. But 
I've had it happen. I know there's other preachers in this place tonight that have had it happen where you preach and somebody comes. I had it just, I had just a couple of Thursday nights ago. I got an email the next day from a couple saying, we, we were having this issue and this discussion in the car and we walked in there and you, you taught on this and that's exactly, and who knows where we would have been if we hadn't heard that tonight. That's because we're not up here to give a speech. There's nobody standing behind a pulpit to be an orator and just to give a speech. I believe we've been, we've been taught it for years and years and I believe I sincerely believe that the ministry of this church, all those involved in the pulpit ministry have bought into it. I don't want to stand up here with a sermon. I don't want to get up here and just give you some good thoughts and ideas. I want to hear something from God. I want to know when I walk to this pulpit, whatever I have, whether you're going to like it or not, I want to know where it came from. Solomon had a had an end with God, if you will. Could it be that part of the reason people have come in disillusioned with church and disillusioned with preaching is because they come and all they hear is just motivational speeches? How to be happy, how to have a better life here and now, this and that. And, and I'm not saying all of that's wrong, and I, I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for some of that. But, but we are here dealing with eternal matters. And if I've just got to come up with a bunch of good topics to get you interested in listening, something's wrong. If we ever needed to hear from God, we need to hear from God now. So the first thing that happened was, it says Solomon, and, or he told her her questions. Not, not just the answers before she asked. He told the questions. Here's your questions. And here's the answers. There was nothing hid and from Solomon which he told her not. I want, you to, I want you to get some of this next. And I'm going to say this again before I read these next two verses and, and, and make some comments here. We cannot accomplish anything through the flesh. At the same time, we are dealing with human beings. Sometimes I think, well, let me rephrase that. I think Bishop said something along these lines recently. I don't remember exactly how or what he said, so I don't want to be accused of plagiarizing any speeches. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> it's not possible to be truly so spiritual, true spirituality, that you are, no of, you are of no earthly good. So I say that to say the statement is some people are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. There's no way to be heavenly minded and not be truly heavenly minded and not be earthly good. Because if I am truly heavenly minded, it's going to impact what I do here and now. And, and, and I'm not gonna, some people are so heavenly minded, they're not a good husband, they're not a good wife, they're not a good parent, they're not a good child. They're real spiritual, but they don't do any of those things well. That's not the will of God. I know, I know what we're here doing, but that's also part of what we're here doing. Brother Wright, it's Thursday night, middle of summer, and we're in church, and you're, yes, I am. Because I know there's people sitting on these seats tonight. You do one thing, you, you're really good at all this church stuff in church and ministry stuff in church, but you go home and you don't know how to treat your kids. You don't know what proper discipline is. You don't know how to be a good wife or a good husband. That's not the will of God. So I realize, ultimately, I, I think our ultimate goal, one of our ultimate goals in, in a church service especially, is to get people in the presence of God. It's my desire as a leader of a ministry that every individual somehow senses at some point before they leave church, there's something here. I don't mean the saints, because sometimes it's hard to get saints to feel stuff. I'm talking about the guest. 
I don't know about you, but I don't feel something every time I come to church. My worship, my praise is not based on feeling. My praise and worship is based on who He is, what He deserves. The goal is to get people in the presence of God. I, I think... I think not in, 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 in a lot of our ministries, we've got great musicians and great singers and, and we've got quality, uh, uh, quality uh, sound and quality equipment and all of, that's, all of that's positive and beneficial to enhance, but it's not what we rely on. Problem is, a lot of people don't have God in church anymore, so now they're doing all that other stuff because if you can distract everybody, they won't realize God wasn't there. If the lights and the smoke and the mirrors distract you, you may not ever realize, you know what, we, we were there for an hour, an hour and a half, but God wasn't there. So we want to get people in the presence of God. But again, we are dealing with human beings. There's a statement I believe somebody can confirm or deny, possibly. There's a statement that I don't know where it originated from, but I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's used somewhere in some of the care group material. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'm here to part of what I feel... In my spirit, and all I, you know, I, I, I'll be very honest. Some of you, it, it would, in some ways, I can see writing me off as you got that from God. Yeah, I, got, I do believe because I believe we, whatever aspect of ministry, I believe we ought to do everything we do with excellence. I know I, I know I'm not real spiritual for some of you right now. I'm sorry. Everything we do should be done with excellence. We can't finish in the flesh what was started in the spirit. Hello, making sure you know I, I got that. I'm I'm all about that. Listen to this. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, and then she saw the house that he had built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. That, that is, in fact, let me... Uh, I'll read it to you and then go back to the King James. When the queen of Sheba experienced for herself Solomon's wisdom and saw with her own eyes the palace he had built, the meals that were served, the impressive array of court officials, the sharply dressed waiters, the cupbearers, and then the elaborate worship, extravagant with whole burnt offerings at the temple of God, it all took her breath away. King James the way his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She fell out. But I, I, I want you to know, the, the last thing before she was slain in the spirit was how they worshipped. Right? That was the last thing before... There was no more spirit in her. But before she got to that point, she was overtaken not only by Solomon's wisdom, but by the food that was served, the impressive array of court officials, the sharply dressed waiters, the cupbearers, and then, and then, we cannot... We cannot discount what happens leading up to the person getting to worship. We should not minimize what happens. I realize a lot of you attend some place on a Sunday morning that we don't own. 
doesn't belong to us. I understand that. I realize that. Obviously, Sunday night, the mother congregation, we all join together in our facility. Baltimore joins together in the facility Antioch owns, and um, most of you probably have no idea of this, but there, there's a lot of renovation and work that's been going on uh, in, at the castle and uh, a lot of, lot of upgrades and things happening. So uh, obviously right now, Antioch West meets at a rented facility. We've got property and the Lord will provide in his time and all of that. So I understand that a lot of you use facilities that are not ours. So it's, you, you have to apply this to how it works for you, okay? But don't discount it because, well, we don't attend here Sunday morning. Whether it's here or whatever other location you're in, we should do the best we can, whatever the facility is, that when people walk in, they can at least notice. Even if it's not ours, they can look around and realize, you know what, this, this may not be theirs, but everything's in order and things are in place. And I realize this here, Sunday morning, those that come, and Sunday night, I realize this is not the most elaborate building in Anne Arundel County. This is the nicest sanctuary we've ever had as a church. Pretty nice sanctuary. I put this up against most. But you know what? It's not acceptable. And I, I'm not saying, maybe there's nobody with this attitude. I'm just, I'm challenging you here tonight. It's not acceptable. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter if, if what it looks like outside. It doesn't matter what the facility looks like. We got God. Solomon could have sat back and said, you know, I can answer all your questions and I can show you how to worship. So everything in between. But everything they did, everything that the Queen of Sheba was exposed to, she was impressed by. We should be the friendliest place. Anybody ever comes. I, I'm, I'm, maybe it's just the devil and it's not my spiritual discernment. I, I, I know this is not what some of you came for. I understand that. Bottom line is we've had some folks that have come and because we weren't very friendly, at least to them, or at least in their perception. They didn't want anything to do with us. So you can, you can disregard or discount this if you want to. Nobody should walk, wherever you are. I know, I'm, I know some of this has got to be implemented or led by your congregation leader, your Sunday morning ministry leader. I understand that. Some of this, they're looking for, I, I'm pretty sure some of them, that's because nobody really seems to carry a burden or an interest in it. People should not have to wander around to figure out where to sit. Shouldn't have to wander around to figure out where to go. People shouldn't walk into whatever, whether it's a sanctuary here or wherever you're meeting, walk in and just stare around. There ought to be somebody. How can we help you? How can we assist you? I've said this before. I'll say it again tonight. I, I believe sincerely that the greeters are some of the most important people in a church service. Because if somebody gets all the way to their seat, and by the time they sit down, they're starting to feel, you know what, this place is not very warm and friendly. I may have, if I'm the preacher, I may have the exact message from God they need. But if by that point their spirit is so closed off, because they're not going to receive. The flip side is, if they get welcomed and greeted and warm and friendly, by the time they sit down, their spirit's open... I may drop the watermelon that day. It may be the biggest flop of my life, and there's a good chance they'll totally miss it because, man, these are some genuine people. I don't know what that guy up there said, but these people. 
the worship was, was the final straw that when she saw how they worshipped, her spirit went out. We had, over the last couple of weeks, some of you saw it on Facebook, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to boast here tonight. I'm relieved. I'm telling this out of great relief. The family visiting us the last couple of Sunday mornings in Arnold, actually UPC from somewhere else in the country, another part of the country that typically is pretty warm and friendly compared to the north. I met them, I heard it myself, they went and put it on Facebook, hallelujah, something about a church on Facebook that was, they, they were extremely kind to us about how kind, from the, from the moment they walked in the door, and the greeters, and the ushers, and everything, and all I want to do is run off in the corner and just have a little shouting session, thank you, Jesus, because actually I had an experience with somebody on Facebook about two years ago that was the opposite of that. A preacher to be transparent. <laughs> we, 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 need, we need attention to detail. I'm about to talk in tongues for a moment just to feel a little more spiritual right now. I, and I understand some of well, that's just not my forte. That's not my. Well, that's why God makes each one of us different. As we work together and do our part, each one of us does what we're called to do, then what needs to be done gets done. She saw how they were dressed, the food that was served, the things they did, the way everything was, and then their worship. When she saw that, her spirit went out of her. Martin Luther King said, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets... So you get that out. He should sweep streets so well that all of the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. It's not the best quality picture. I apologize. That was taken with my phone. Several weeks ago, I was at an Orioles game. We were there pregame. And I looked and noticed that guy squatting down right there at the home plate has a bottle of Windex and a rag. And he is cleaning home plate with a bottle of Windex and a rag. Do you know what going is about to get on home plate? Feet, dirt, spit, sweat. More than likely, the first batter that walks to the batter's box is going to kick around some dirt and get it on the plate. And yet, that fella is down on his, or squatting down, with Windex and a rag knowing, knowing what's about to happen. As is the case many different times throughout my 20 plus years of ministry, I felt inspiration. <laughs> you're, you're cleaning. I mean, it'd be one thing if you were just kind of brushing it off. We play softball and most of the time the umpire's got a little... Little, little brush, little broom every now and then. They don't even use it anymore. They just let it stay dirty. I mean, I could see if he was just kind of, you know, he, <laughs> Windex and a rag, knowing what's about to happen. I wonder how many things you and I are involved in ministry-related. Kind of like that. You mean to tell me I'm about to put my effort and energy in this and this is what's going to happen? Right, right, right. 
I'm going to go through the effort to do this, and then that's... I mean, it's not a question of if it's getting dirty. We're not wondering. It's only a matter of time, and not much time. It's getting dirty. But you know what? That was his job. And I wonder if heaven may have been looking down that night going, you know what? There is a home plate cleaner. Some of you heard it, and if you didn't, then here we go. But I I sat at Brother Dennis Sharman's memorial service so challenged by the things that people were saying. And as I told that night, just a couple of weeks before he passed, and we walked in, and we, we, he had been in the hospital at that point for several weeks, and, and, and the, we, we were videoing that midget skit that we did for Bishop's birthday, and, and, and we'd setting up back in the back, and my wife looks at the, at the track stand back there, and she goes, well, you know Dennis hasn't been here. Tissues, uh, tissues, who thinks of tissues? Thankfully, somebody has picked up the baton. I know there was others that contributed. Brother Sharman didn't do all of it, but he, he uh, Brother Dennis was known for, you, you, you didn't have to worry about whether or not we had Kleenexes because he took care of it. I just, who stole the key to my Honda? There we go. Feel a little more spiritual now. They, they don't care how much we know till they know how much we care. And, and you know what? Whether it's, again, here or whatever other facilities, it's not any one individual's responsibility. It's not your Sunday morning leader's job to do it. It's us, together, wherever we are, making sure that whatever we do, we do it with excellence. Doesn't matter what, what, uh, what kind of profile the responsibility is, whatever it is, do it the best you can do it. Scripture teaches us this concept. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. The Message Bible says it this way, Whatever turns up, grab it and do it, and heartily. This is your last and only chance at it, for there's neither work to do nor thoughts to think in the company of the dead where you're most certainly headed. Whatever your hand finds to do, whatever position, role, ministry God has placed you in or what you may get involved in from time to time, I come to challenge you and encourage you tonight to do it with all of your heart. Give it everything you've got. Why? One reason why, this isn't the only reason why, but one of the reasons why is because the Scripture promises that our labor is not in vain. Do you know that one of the pitfalls of ministry, especially somebody that's been involved in ministry for a number of years, is they start to realize, you know what, nobody's saying thank you. Nobody's calling my name. Nobody's recognizing me. And there are people that become bitter and resentful of what they've done and given because they're not getting earthly recognition. We ought to appreciate one another. We ought to express appreciation to one another. But the ultimate promise that you and I have is that whatever we do for Christ is not in vain. Whatever seed we have sown is not in vain. Whatever your hands find to do, whatever your hands find to do, 
I don't, some of you may not know, know this. I don't want to give away the secret, but recognition is also due. How many have ever gotten one of those, those uh, let me finish explaining before you jump to conclusions with your hand up. How many of you, when you've ever been sick or uh, lost a loved one, you've gotten one of those cards in the mail um, from the church? It's usually on like printed paper. Some of you have gotten those. Others that are in the other locations tonight have gotten those. On the back of them, there's no... In fact, I think on the back of them it says Antioch the Apostolic Church, doesn't it? Sister, Sister Barbara Dells, for who knows how many years. I have no idea. Do you have any idea how many years? Nobody, nobody assigned that to her. Nobody told her to do that. Somewhere along the way, she got the idea and the burden to do it. I, I am positive those cards have brightened some days and have helped some people. And Whatever your hands find to do, my hands are not about to find this keyboard to play it. <laughs> that would not be a pretty thing. But there's some things my hands can find. And that when I find my place and contribute with all of my heart to what God has called me to. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this, Whatsoever, namely in the service of God, thy hand findeth to do, earthly enjoyments are to be secondary and subsidiary to the work of God, which if not done now, can never be done. Romans 12 and 1 in the Message Bible. I love the way the Message Bible says Romans 12 and 1. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. I realize the commentary says, namely in the service of God, but I think the principle applies to every aspect of our life. Whatever, it, whatever your vocation is, whatever job, if you're in school, whatever it is you are doing, you ought to do it, you ought to put yourself into it and do the best you can. Partly because people are watching, and if we as Christians are cutting corners and doing things half-hearted, that's not a good testimony. I won't call a name, but Sunday night at the restaurant, several folks were out eating at Chevy's, and somebody across another table had one of the cards we just had printed up. I said, Brother Wright, we attach this to the check. I said, only if you give a really good tip. <laughs> Don't go giving no 5% tip or 10% tip and then adding that card on there. I, I, I'm a minimum 20% tipper. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Because hopefully one day that server will show up in this church. And I don't want them to say, you know what, I recognize that guy and I remember you because I served you one time and when, when I served you, you left me two bucks. Some of y'all don't think like that and that's part of your problem. You got God confined to a little box here. And everything else is what? No. Take your everyday, ordinary, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, all of it, every aspect of life, and present it as an offering. I don't, what, there, there's only a. Let me see a hand real quick, those of you that are employed full time at the church. Full time at the church. We got one, two, three, four, five, six. One of them passing through seven. One of them up there, eight. We've got eight people out of a... I was going to say a couple hundred, but it's split up tonight, so 150. <laughs> eight people. Everybody else is employed, if you're employed, someplace else, doing something else. Whatever it is, 
You ought to be the best. You ought to be the sweetest, kindest, nicest, most patient. Don't shout me down tonight. I'm preaching good. Of anybody there. Truth, having truth is not an excuse to be an idiot. Just because you're the only one in the workplace where you're at that knows there's one God, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling the Holy Ghost, does not give you the right to bite everybody's head off. Doesn't do it. Whatever your hand, so whether it's at church and it's ministry or it's your everyday normal life, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all that you have. First Chronicles 29 and 2. Now I have prepared how? Can you read it? You young folks can. All my heart. This is David speaking here. I have prepared with all my heart for the house of my God the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistering stones and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones. Not only did I do it with all my might, but I also didn't skimp on it. I prepared it. I have gotten together in... Abundance. wonder how much every ministry of Antioch would change if we could all decide, I'm, please, I'm not trying to be harsh or unkind, I'm here to challenge. And Every now and then, I don't care how good you're doing, every now and then you've got to be challenged. So I'm not, I'm not here implying that nobody's doing that. Please, that's not, that's not my motive, that's not my aim here tonight because I believe much differently than that. So... That being said, what would happen if we really did everything we do with all our might and provided the best we could in abundance? You know what's really amazing? You put a sign-up sheet up here. You know what happens after a period of months and weeks of sign-up sheets for different things? You know what usually happens? You get the same people every time. What is that? Some of you have heard it. 20% of the people do. If I am in the body, I am a contributor. All my might in abundance. Second Chronicles 31.20 And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. Paul picked up on this theme in Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as as to the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. That doesn't mean you just sing with all your heart, you preach with all your heart. That means you usher with all your heart. You greet with all your heart. All your heart. You teach Sunday school with all your heart. You lead a care group with all your heart. Again, knowing that your labor is not in vain. A couple more minutes. We're going to shift a little bit in closing. Why? Why do all this? What is the assurance of doing all of this? What, is the, what, what assurance do I have as if I do what I'm called to do? That it's worth it. It's going to be worth it. Peter says in 2 Peter 1 and 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You know, I'll be honest, this is kind of connected to what I've just been sharing with you, but it's also kind of different, just something I just feel a burden to share. Maybe this is part two, separate from part one. He said, make your calling and election sure. Because if you make your calling and election sure, you will never fail. I I don't want to, you don't have to raise your hand. In fact, I don't really want you to raise your hand. I wonder how many of you tonight could say, 
that you have made your calling and election sure. The word calling there is, is invitation. So in the context of tonight, ministry, you're calling into ministry, and then your election, your choice, you've made it sure. I wonder if, wonder if we took a survey here tonight, how many people in this, I wonder what percentage of the people in this room tonight would be able to say, I am absolutely confident and certain in my calling. I am, let me ask it this way, because I'll get more of you and you'll be more comfortable, hopefully, to say, to be honest with me. How many of you would be willing to acknowledge tonight you're not really totally certain and sure in your calling? A few more of you got paralyzed arms. Paul said, make your calling and election sure, because if you do this, you will never fall. New Living Translation says it this way, Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. I want you to... I'm on slide 17. I got 19 slides, so we're almost there. Joshua 1, verse 5. So here are the children of Israel. They spent 40 years in the wilderness... They, 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 all of the unbelievers have, have died, and now here they are, down to the group that's about to cross into the promised land. I want you to notice, notice what the Lord says to Joshua as he's about to cross. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I want you to know, Joshua, your calling and election is sure. I want you to be confident in your calling. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. I want you to notice what God doesn't say to Joshua. He does not go down through a whole list of reminding him of promises and everything he said he was going to do and all of that. He just simply says, I want, I want to get one thing settled, Joshua. I've called you. You're going to now stand just like Moses stood and just as I was with him, I'm going to be with you because I need you to be certain of your calling. F.B. Meyer, I believe he was a preacher, pastor in the late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken, several books that he's written. And one of them is the book Joshua, about the book of Joshua. And he says this, The supreme inquiry for each of us when summoned to a new word, a new, new, new role, new position, new ministry, the inquiry for each of us is not whether we possess sufficient strengths or qualification for it, but if we have been called to it of God. And when that is so, there is no further cause for anxiety. The supreme inquiry, when summoned to a new word, is not whether we, not whether I, not whether you possess sufficient strengths or qualifications. Is there anybody here tonight that you know, you believe you're doing what God's called you to do, that you also believe that you have sufficient strength and qualification to do it? No. Because we don't. So it's not whether or not I'm qualified and I'm sufficient to do it. The thing I've got to get settled is, have I been called to do it? Have you been called to do it? If you've been called to do it, then that is the, there is no further cause for anxiety. Oh, hallelujah. I know I've worn you out with the other stuff, but just for a minute, because it's really good stuff. I didn't write it, so I can say it. 
The thing you and I got to settle is, am I called? If I'm called, there's nothing to worry about. Because if he called me, he knew my lack of strength. He knew my lack of qualification. He knew all of my faults and failures. But if I can be confident he called me, then it's up to him to work it all out. My job is just to simply do what Mary said, and that is, be it unto me according to your word. 19 of 19. When a man knows that he has been called to do a certain work, he is invincible. Anybody feel invincible tonight? When a man knows he's been called to do a certain work, he is invincible. He is not unconscious of his own deficiencies, whether they be natural or intellectual. He is not insensible of difficulty, none so quick as he to see the great stones, the iron gates, the walled cities, the broad and flowing rivers. He is not invulnerable to the shafts of ridicule and adverse criticism. But for all of these, he looks steadily away to the declared purpose of God and yields himself to be the channel through which it may operate. And we know that all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. If I'm called and I'm doing my best to fulfill that calling, it's going to work according to His purpose. Whether it's to preach, whether it's to lead a care group, whether it's to be a Bible study teacher, whether it's to be a greeter or an usher, a musician, a praise singer, on down the list, all the other things that I've failed to mention. You can get settled. You know what? I am called. And if I'm called, God didn't call me to fail. Hello? If God called me, God did not call me to fail. That doesn't mean there won't be some seasons that look like failure. That won't mean there won't be some times I go through that appear to be failure. I, I said something, I don't remember who it was, if it was you, please forgive me I don't for not remembering it was you. I think I've actually said this to a couple people recently, but is there, is there any tree, is there any fruit tree that has fruit on it 12 months a year, 365 days a year? Is there? Hello. Some of you are saying no, a few more of you I'd like to hear. I don't know of any. A a fruit tree, a vegetable plant, does not produce 12 months every day of the year. Is that not correct? If the natural is an illustration of the spiritual, why do we feel pressure that you and I are supposed to be bearing fruit 365 days a year? I know nobody's ever felt that pressure. There's nothing God created in nature that produces fruit every single day. God created stuff in nature. Let's stick with the fruit fruit trees. God created fruit trees that they go through a season that looks like death. They don't produce. Some of you need to relax a little bit. You cannot produce fruit 365 days a year. Unless God intends for you and I to be different than the rest of nature, and as I've said many times, I believe God created nature to be a a object lesson for spiritual principles. Hello? I'm trying to help. I've been trying to help you all night, even if you didn't like what I was saying, but I'm really trying to help somebody as I'm closing. Seasons. 
So much for 19 of 19 slides. I feel a little bit of inspiration coming on. Genesis chapter, believe it's in chapter 1 of Genesis. Very first chapter. God says, I created things for seasons. God created times and seasons. Times and seasons. Hello? You can't violate God's process. There's going to be seasons in your life. Seasons in your ministry. There have been a couple times, Brother Barr, I mean, I, boy, I got in the flow. I mean, it, a couple weeks in advance, I knew what I was preaching. I'm, I mean, it was coming. I knew it. My boy, we have made it. We have arrived. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, the season changes. Look, Lord, we start church in five minutes. There have been some times through the year, especially... In the past, when I led Arnold the first time, my, my, my study time was kind of Saturday evenings, and my wife would sometimes say, do you need to go study? I said, I would if I knew what to study. I got no direction. This guy stopped by. We get people stopped by for various things. This guy stopped by a couple weeks ago. It was like a Thursday. Thursday, or actually it was a Friday. Some religious material getting dropped off, and and he said, oh, I know what you're working on that Sunday sermon, aren't you? I just kind of smiled. And I'm like, no, not really. I don't know what the Sunday sermon is yet. And I may only get a little nugget to go on. Seasons. Seasons. Hello, somebody needs to hear me. I'm, I'm quitting. I am. Seasons. The problem is, Usually there's somebody in your life that's in a different season than you are. Hello? You're in the smack dead middle of a cold, dark winter. And somebody else is picking fresh, ripe apples as fast as they can. And if you look at them and say, what's wrong with me? As long as you are in the season God has, you can go to the store and buy you some fruit and hang it on the tree if you want. Or you can just accept, you know what? I go through some seasons. Some seasons I don't like. But if I can make sure my calling is settled, I might be in the middle of winter and everything looks dead, but spring is going to come because my calling is sure. Stand, please. Father, I pray tonight that you would help us pray, God, that you would help us, first of all, that in everything we do, everything we do as a part of your kingdom, we wouldn't do it half-heartedly, haphazardly, off the cuff, but we would give ourselves. We would give ourselves in a way similar to what the Queen of Sheba saw that Solomon had done in his preparation and service and administration of your house that we would, with the same attitude and spirit of excellence and commitment and dedication, give ourselves to whatever it is, God, you've placed each one of us in, the role, the position. In the name of Jesus Christ, that we would do with all of our heart, God, giving of ourselves without reservation. Father, I pray also as we close tonight that you would help every individual in this place whether they're called to preach, called to evangelize or not, called into a, some other kind of ministry, no matter what it is, you've called each one of us. And I pray, God, you would help every individual in this place to reach the place where their calling is sure. 
where they are confident in their calling, God, because if we can have that confidence in our calling, we can have the confidence also that all things are going to work together for good, that in your time things are going to work according to your purpose. God, I pray that anybody here tonight that might be in the middle of winter in their life, in their ministry, I pray grace tonight, God, grace to make it through the season to that new time of fruitfulness and producing once again, because if we can just stay faithful to you and where we are in you and where you have us, that season will come. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Dismissed in Jesus' name.